Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to the most extreme menage a trois violence you'll ever experience here in the extreme three-way dance. I am JT, and joining me as always are my violent co-hosts, Matt and Jenny. How are you guys doing? I'm so extreme. I feel like grabbing somebody's neck halo and just shaking them. I'm shoving their ass to the floor. My goodness. I I have never been a violent person. How dare you? (laughs) Not fun. Just angry. Uh, right. Oh, See, there's a fine line between <laughs> anger and violence. It's laziness. <laughs> it's the only. Basically, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Well, we have uh, some excitement going on here tonight because we are whittling away the year of 1996. We are closing the gap on November to Remember, and by the end of this episode, we will be on the doorstep of that iconic show. And we have three weeks of TV to get us there, and that's what we're going to cover tonight. And this is going to have the fallout of the October. 26th ECW Arena show, which is a pretty infamous one. But sadly, as we'll talk about, some of the biggest stuff that happens isn't included on these TVs. Um, And so I think this is one where, one of the rare times I think we're kind of been hurt by not getting the actual show itself Mm -hmm. um, to see. And maybe we can still track it down and watch it just for edification purposes, but Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about the stuff that we don't see when we get to the end, but um, here we go. October 29th, 1996. We open with brief clips of Tommy Dreamer and I want to say Tommy Lee. Uh, Tommy Dreamer <laughs> and Brian Lee in their high incident match that cut out before the big fall. So we kind of see the tease and the freezes. And then we get Tommy Dreamer's theme song playing over our opening animation with chants of ECW over it. Joey welcomes us into the world's most famous bingo hall and says, Tonight they're extreme. But they're also uh, showing some respect to an amateur sport. The WF has Olympian Mark Henry working for them. That gets some booze. But Joey says Mark's talented. Then he takes some shots and says, well, he hurt his knee and he didn't win a medal. So he then goes to WCW. And I spent probably way more time than anyone should trying to figure out what the fuck he said. But uh-huh. he, yep. he said silver medalist Matthew Foria <laughs> in WCW. And I don't know who he meant. I tried looking up WCW Olympic athletes, Matt Foria. Like, I could not find anybody. So I don't know if it's like a joke or someone was rumored to come in or what that meant. But 
I, I couldn't find it, Matt. I don't know if you found anything uh, about this guy. I, I looked too. I couldn't find a fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, I don't know who this WCW Olympic wrestler Matthew Fourier is. Some, some producer who used to work on fucking worldwide say, or something. I was going to say, it sounds like an inside joke. <laughs> it had to be, I guess. Um, so, anyway, he's there. And ECW is going to dive into the world of Olympians as well. Because tonight they go for the gold. And out comes Olympic gold medalist wrestler Kurt Angle. What? Very skinny. <laughs> Kurt Angle. Yes, and yeah. with hair. Youthful. Yeah. Exuberant. Uh, he's all smiles. He greets the fans. Joey puts over his win as one of the greatest amateur moments ever. And he says, little Guido is a great amateur wrestler, too. And he talks up his credentials. Guido gets in the ring and shakes Kurt Angle's hand. He says, it's an honor to meet him. And he hopes Angle will be impressed. <laughs> Angle wishes him luck. And Joey says, Angle will also be impressed by our next visitor. Because out comes Taz with Bill Alfonso. Taz shakes Kurt's hand and says he respects him as one of the greatest ever. And he's the man. Taz says he spent his summer watching Angle in the Olympic Games, but also watching himself. Taz said he contemplated the Olympics, but he's more about making money. But he is happy Kurt is here to watch and sit with Joey to call his match. So he can tell the world just how great Taz is. Taz says Kurt's a great amateur, but Taz is a great professional. Joey says the next match is a shoot fight, and you can only win by submission or knockout. Uh, Jenny, were you surprised to see Kurt Angle in the ECW arena? Quite so. <laughs> Wearing his Olympic medal. <laughs> yeah, that he had just won that summer. He so had just fresh. got it. I mean, yeah, uh, it was a great shock. And, yeah, he was um, – well, we'll talk about it later. But he was uh, quite the addition to this show, Matty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, great to see uh, Kurt here. Uh, rare sincerity from both Guido and Taz, which is highly unusual. <laughs> and Kurt. And, and, yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, you know, at least Taz was still uh, semi-angry, but he was sincere while being angry. Whereas, well, yeah. But, he, uh, he got his shots in. Which I right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, great open. The... Uh... So Angle had just won the gold medal and he was like dabbling with the idea of getting into pro wrestling when he mm-hmm. came to the show. He's from Pittsburgh. He's in Pennsylvania. Um, we'll talk about it in a minute why he did not move forward with mm-hmm. it at this time. Uh, before we get to the match, though, it is time for our Italian lesson of the week. Now, listen, like, there's a lot of, like, ones I want to get to on this list. And there's some really good, filthy ones that'll be fun. Uh-huh. But this one is a little more tame. But I came across it and thought it was fitting, given our lead commentator's favorite catchphrase of Dio Santo! <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> Dio Santo! Dio Santo! So I thought I thought it was fitting to at least get Dio. I like it. There. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to do that tribute to Joey, and not to the Mexican legend Santo. Uh, <laughs> I see. All right, our match is a shoot fight between Taz and Little Guido, and should be fun given the atmosphere. Kurt Angle in the booth. He says Taz has an attitude. Joey apologizes for it. Chris says he'd love to have five minutes in the ring with Taz. We get some feeling out, some early Taz arm control. Kurt talks up Taz's amateur attack style. Tries to understand the rules. Joey's trying to help him out. Guido goes to the leg. Taz takes it right back. Kurt asks if they respect each other. Joey says Taz only respects Kurt and himself. Guido kicks away, but Taz takes him down and grinds into a bow and arrow. 
Kurt does a nice job. He's calling out the amateur moves. He really puts over Taz. Taz clotheslines Guido, and Angle wants to know, why he's not trying to finish him? Why is he calling out Sabu instead? Taz takes over Guido with a throw, but Guido comes back with a choke. Taz throws Guido to the mat, goes to a cross arm breaker. Kurt likes that they use judo and amateur wrestling here, and Joey says there's all kinds of various styles in ECW. Taz gets a wheelbarrow suplex. Taz says this is a very, I mean, Kurt says this is a very brutal sport. He's uh, still befuddled, though, why Taz isn't going for the kill. And Joey says basically he knows he's going to win already. Taz gets a T-bone Tazplex and finishes with the Taz mission, which Kurt says is the judo choke and says this is a beautiful match. It's a really good map-based stuff, which I agree on. Uh, really got Taz over as legit. Kurt hyped him up big time. Uh, really sharp character work across the board. And Guido looked good, too. He, he hung in there. So, uh, Jenny went two and a half. I enjoyed this little exhibition. And I, I thought Kurt added a lot on uh, commentary for it. Yes. I was two and a half, too. Uh, Joey, Joey's responses, it's like he's a salesman. And he's mm-hmm. like, this mm-hmm. is our client. We got to get, we got to land this It guy. was. I mean, yeah, it really was and, like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just so enjoyed Joey's like trying to showcase the different kinds of wrestling. And, you know, he could have easily been sort of a dick because Kurt's over there like, dude, dude, what's wrestling? And it's like trying to explain it to him in a nice way and not sound like an <laughs> asshole. So I don't know. I just super enjoyed all the commentary. And uh, and and you got to see like a cool match, you know. Taz gets to I don't, I don't want to say tone it down, but he just like he was wrestling for Kurt. Like it was, you know, it was this is what I can do, and you know, you get to sit and watch me. So he was showing out for Kurt, and you know, little Guido was there with him. So um, yeah, two and a half for me, Matt. Uh, also went two and a half on that fun match. Uh, I, I could see uh, another uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes of Taz throwing Guido around mm-hmm. just with every suplex in his repertoire, the wheelbarrow, the Tazplex, just all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, really fun. Just seeing Taz throw this poor man around. Uh, I thought Angle added a lot, even though he, you know, at parts he was basically ECW Art Donovan. He still, <laughs> he, he he added more than How Art. much does this guy's weed bag worth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just, it was so charming. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, what he's knew, he knew well, and he was yeah. great. But well, it's like, like dropping this pure innocent soul into this yes, fucking dead right, of sin in ECW. Right. <laughs> exactly. This this nun going to Caligula like good lord, <laughs> but and then it, Joey trying to be like we polished all this shit for you. <laughs> like, yeah. This is what we got. We, we cleaned up all the piss stains yeah. and blood stains in the ECW <laughs> arena just for you, Kurt. But uh, yeah, super fun stuff and Angle. Uh, Angle seemed like he was enjoying himself, so that's a plus. But uh, yeah, two and a half for me. So Taz grabs the mic and says, Kurt has to agree. This was a gold medal performance. He tells the fans to shut the fuck up. He says he has an issue racking his brain as he's been calling Sabu out for a year, but ECW just keeps protecting him and his patience is running thinner by the day. He'll do something to get Taz out here, though. And now Taz has choked out another victim and he wants Sabu. Joey's in the nest. He says it speaks a lot about ECW that Angle chose to endorse them, not WCW. And not the WF who gave him offers. It was an honor to host him here in ECW. So I guess this is where we talk about why Kurt Angle does not get into wrestling. <laughs> Tell me. I need to know. And why he does not stick around in ECW. Because on the same night, 
in footage that we do not see on any of this television, and I'm guessing is a reason why. Uh-huh. During a match between Sandman and Raven on the same evening, Tyler Fullington interfered and helped us, a Raven against his father. After the match, I'm sorry, uh, Tyler helped Sandman, so he looked like maybe he was re-embracing his father. After the match, the two embraced, but Raven came from behind with a kendo stick and smacked Sandman in the head. Stevie Richards and Blue Meanie came to the ring with a wooden cross. They tied Sandman to it, lifted him up, and crucified him, and carried him out of the building. The incident caused many fans to go silent as it happened, marking the first time ever even ECW mutants, as the fans became to known, were left speechless. With ECW fearing a possible backlash, Raven came back out to break character and apologize for what occurred. Wow. In the night. Raven later claimed the angle was not an insult to Jesus, but an insult to Sandman by using religious iconography iconograph, iconography, to convey an artistic standpoint. Iconography. Oh, yeah. um, at the time, Kurt Angle had attended the show of the crucifixion <laughs> and appeared in the ring to step in with Taz, but later threatened to sue Paul Heyman and ECW if they ever showed footage of him on that show. Uh, with that included. So I'm guessing wow. that is why they do not mm-hmm. show it. He was so offended as a good Christian boy that he did not want any part of this and ended up turning him off pro wrestling for a bit. I think he does some sports stuff in uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and then eventually ends up signing with the WF, I think in like 98 and then debuts in 99. So <laughs> That yeah, is... he was not happy. He thought, well, he thought his career prospects would be damaged, basically, if right. if if they saw him on this same uh, crucifixion episode. <laughs> uh, so Angle for a while then had a perversion, uh, a perversion, an aversion <laughs> well... to wrestling. <laughs> we do know his perversions later. <laughs> an aversion to wrestling, considered it beneath him. But right after the Olympics, WF actually offered him a ten-year deal. So. I'm guessing that's the money they end up giving Mark Henry. They originally offered to Kurt Angle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he told Vince he was unwilling to lose matches at the time. Um, so they give Mark Henry the money instead, the 10-year deal. He said he started to watch wrestling again in 1998, watching Raw, and observed a lot of world-class athletes doing very athletic things. Started to admire Stone Cold Steve Austin as an entertainer and said he realized his attitude was misguided and stupid. Uh, even though the original offer was now rescinded, he got a tryout and signed a five-year deal in August of 98, just a few days after he tried out, trained with Dory Funk. So that's how he found his way back. But it's crazy to think, like, if he didn't have that epiphany, wow. like, ECW may have ne- prevented us from ever really getting Kurt Angle pro wrestler right. um, due to this crazy angle that, again, we don't see on any of the TV. Um, it is out there mm-hmm. for sure to see, but... Um... That is, hmm. I thought Raven was overseas. What's he doing showing up yeah, I guess he's to back. crucify fucking Sandman? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you, we'll put the video in our little chat here. But, uh, okay, thank you. Yes, um, yes. It's a thing that definitely happened mm-hmm. and almost uh, ruined everything. On a night where they're trying to, like, get this guy. Right. Guy. <laughs> like, I can imagine, like. I know, of all nights. Hindsight being 2020. (laughs) I mean, you wonder, like, if he would have stuck around if that didn't happen. You know, like, would he have had a feud with Taz or something? But, or, and would it have been legit? Or they try to Paul Varland him? You know what I mean? Like, who knows Mm. what their plan was for this guy? But, um, 
would he ask, interesting would he ask for a blow job from missy hyatt i mean who knows, <laughs> who knows? depends if it's part of his perversion yeah. <laughs> so anyway incredible all right, we go back to the ring uh, for our next match, which is the franchise Shane Douglas against Cody Michaels. Uh, Michaels ambles around the ring as Shane and Francine head out. In comes Joel Gertner to the booth. He says, him and Kurt Angle have a mutual friend, Cornell Wrestling Coach. And he has an Atlanta Gold MasterCard as well. Uh, Gertner intros Douglas in the booth. Douglas brags on breaking Pitbull's neck twice. Hypes up Kurt Angle and says they'll put on a wrestling lesson for everyone tonight. Shane says Michaels has no chance in hell. We get whore chance right away, as usual, for Francine. We ease in with a dose of usual Shane stalling and heat building. Pibble 2 careens down to ringside, but officials hold him back. After the break, the match is started. Michaels gets a quick flurry and actually grabs a near fall. Michaels slams Shane and heads up top, and it's a missile drop kick for two. Cody slams Shane again, goes up again, gets a high cross body for two. Back drop Shane to the floor, follows the baseball slide. Cody smacks Shane with a chair, puts him in the ring. And sits him in the chair, goes to the apron, cross bodies him through the chair. Back inside, Cody gets two. I don't know what's going on here. Cody makes a mistake and drops his head, and Shane snaps him with a single-arm DDT, mashes him with a tombstone, talks some shit, drags him to his feet, and finishes him with the belly-to-belly. Uh, this is a fun match out of nowhere. Like, I don't know who Cody Michaels was, but he almost pulls the upset. Shane really bumped and fed for him. Eventually, makes the one fatal flaw. Shane makes him eat it. Pretty good TV match with a fun little story, Matt. I went two stars. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, two stars. Uh, good little underdog story here with Shane mm. kind of un- underestimating Michaels. So I, I thought that was uh, interesting. And I get, like you, I have no idea who fucking Cody Michaels is. He looks like a shrinky dink Scott Bayo to me. But <laughs> I have I had never heard of him. I have no idea who he is. And uh, the first note I had was Cody Michaels is about to die. And it turns out I was wrong. <laughs> so, well, uh, he, he actually started in 1986. Oh, God. Um. It had a pretty long career. Like he went to USWA, NWA, AWA, wrestling WF apparently. Um, had a lot of different tag partners. Actually, was teamed with Austin for a bit. Had seriously injured in a match in 1991. Had a broken neck that eventually led to the end of his career. So I guess it's kind of fitting he fights Shane during all this. You're right. He ended up. He was close friends with Brian Hildebrand. He's actually the one that um, helped put together the. Uh, support show for him when he had the cancer oh yeah yep in 1999 so uh looks like he still worked as a producer booker writer he's part of wrestling society x on mtv oh boy <laughs> helped helped uh book that so yeah i mean he's done done a bunch of stuff actually so that's pretty yeah cool. i mean he, he looked pretty good here i mean mm-hmm. he lost and shane would end up pushing his shit in after the fact but mm-hmm. he, he looked good for those you know uh, three minutes or so but uh yeah two stars for me jenny he he kind of looked like um I, I don't know like your best friend's dad or something like um, <laughs> you know he didn't really look like a it's like because I was I kind of expected you you guys to be like yeah you know like this guy never did anything ever again so like I don't know I was impressed with him I was really impressed with Shane's bumping around for him too kind of made him look real good I thought um uh, there was a good chair shot in there. And, uh, I don't know. It was fun. Fun little match. Good win for Shane, too, and one quarter. Yeah, and Cody actually was a big part of some of those ECW reunion shows, too, like early in the 2010s. Um, they did a bunch of those in, in mm-hmm. Philly. And he's actually on the Barbed Wire City dock from our buddy Johnny P. John Philip Havage, who did that. Um, part of the history of, you know, history of ECW dock. So he's in there, too. So. Sweet. 
There you go. A little bit bigger piece of VCW history than we realized. Uh, Joey shits on Francine, calls her a horrible person as she's urging Shane to break Cody's neck. Shane puts him in the full Nelson and swings him around to Pitbull 2, makes a save, cleans house on the locker room, empties out to stop him. Shane comes back with a chair, but Pitbull 2 no-sells it, and Shane runs away. After a chase, he eventually gets out of Dodge, accidentally knocking down Francine in the process. Pitbull 2 grabs Francine, but the other wrestlers pull Pitbull off of her. But that allows Shane to come back out and bop him with the title. Pitbull 2 no-sells again. Shane leaves again. Gertner gets in the ring, and Silas calls him a hemorrhoid. And again, <laughs> Gertner gives the official announcement that Shane Douglas has won the match and tells Pitbull 2 to get out of his camera shot. Pitbull 2 <laughs> stares at him. And Gertner stops and just says, oh, shit. And Pitbull 2 grabs him and throws him over the top with a fallaway slam. Fucking Gertner's just a nut. Um, fun segment, though. Douglas and Pitbull 2 continue on this major collision course. So, Jen, I, I like this. Gertner just continues to be amazing. Yeah, what, what the hell? <laughs> the look on his face, like, oh, God, I fucked up. That was amazing. <laughs> oh, shit. You are in my camera show. <laughs> Imagine saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking football. Yeah. Mistakes were made, sir. <laughs> you you done fucked up. Uh, Gertner saying, oh shit, into the mic fucking destroyed me. <laughs> just <laughs> just his delivery. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, just, he's the fucking best. Oh, he's so good. Uh, yeah, super fun uh, post-match stuff. All right, back to the ring, and we have a pretty big debut here. Mm-hmm. It's Chris Candido. Hmm. is on the scene taking on a little spike dudley the newest dudley who we've heard about recently but he is here as well so interesting match of kind of next gen ecw guys candido looks pretty cut it looks much better than yeah. he did in his final days in dirty which is not that long ago it's only two months ago mm-hmm. uh we had the busted neck and the neck collar looked like the biggest cuck in the world at source m96 as chad and i chronicled our wrestling war zone uh little spike is stomps out the crowd chants immediately we want sunny but Candido gets a pop of his own. Joey says, I didn't take Candido long to get here. It's a short skip from Stanford, uh, which is a, a pretty good joke. And then the crowd chance skip is dead as we get going with some mat work. Spike grabs a side headlock. Candido breaks free. Spike gets a head scissors. Candido pops up and sends Spike flying with a big release German. He whips Spike violently to the corner. He's fully in control here. Snap mare Spike down. Hits a snap leg drop. Suplexes Spike on the top rope. Candido slugs Spike to the floor, pulls him back inside, puts Spike on top, and finishes him with a super power bomb to a huge pop. Oh, this is a great debut for Candido. He just destroys Spike. Good way to immediately erase the stink of the end of his WDF run. Restarts his career. Pure squash, Matt. Star and a half for me. Yeah, I, I ended up going two on this. Uh, just a super fun squash. Uh, Candido just killing spike with german suplexes and the top rope power bomb uh, uh spike is a guy who knows how to get the shit kicked out of him which mm-hmm. we'll see uh in the future but uh yeah <laughs> this is a, uh, a a tremendous way to debut chris candido jenny two stars i'm with y'all um that that german was sick and so was that power bomb and you know just fun fucking match to watch this guy get fucking thrown around like a rag doll um, the crowd is in love with him, so that mm-hmm. always helps, and uh, it gets the two stars. The crowd chants welcome back as Candido grabs the mic and thanks them. Says he decided to leave the WF, and they pulled his wife off the road to go into the studio and actually plugs Livewire, <laughs> which is the WF show <laughs> that Sonny was hosting. Uh, Joey says, hey, maybe Bruce from Connecticut will call in again. 
And of course, that's a joke because it was actually Paul Heyman who called it to Livewire as Bruce from Connecticut on one episode. Uh, Candido says he has nothing bad to say about anyone. He wouldn't have a lot of the things he had if it wasn't for Vince McMahon. He gave his notice so he could come back to wrestle on the first ever show. I'll come back here because he wrestled on the first ever show in this very building. And he's proud to be back, not in a locker room full of assholes. He's going to help bring ECW up from a miserable shithole to the top echelon. Uh, it was a weird promo. It was like mm-hmm. a lot of mixed messages. Like, yep. Yep. I, I think we'll see where it plays out with him and how he approaches things. But it's he's like uh, kind of shitting under the F, but kind of defending that kind of putting up ECW and kind of shitting on it. Uh, but it's a good addition to the roster. It's a hungry wrestler, a guy that, again, was tossed aside by the F that can really work. That should add a nice touch to ECW. It's a good spot for him. Yeah, I mean, given the state of uh, Chris Candido personally, I mean, there's a good chance he didn't know what he was saying at this point. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a weird way. Like, uh, even the crowd was kind of confused. Like, mm-hmm. are we supposed to boo this guy or do we cheer right. this guy? What What are we doing? So, uh, definitely a weird first promo from Candido. But I mean, obviously he's great in ring, which we'll see in the future. But uh, yeah, uh, hopefully his promo stuff gets a little bit better. <laughs> forward yeah i mean he sounded like strong and confident but then when i thought about what he was saying i was like what (laughs) so i don't know there's something to be said about presentation i guess but um yeah he was talking about like wrestled the first match or something i was like i don't know what that means but okay Um, i think he meant the first ever because he was in like smoky mountain he was in i think nwa ish around that time too so I think he might. What he meant was the first ever time they had wrestling in this building. He was on the card. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. Back in the day. Okay. Um. Yeah, it was good though, and I'm excited to see what he brings to the card for sure. Big main event on tap as friends collide over the world title with Sandman defending against Two Gold Scorpio, who we haven't seen a ton of lately. He's been kind of in and out. Scorp dances in the ring. Sandman saunters out as usual. We get a slow start as both guys are a little weary, feeling each other out. Sandman actually tries to wrestle a little bit early on. Scorpio goes out the repaired knee. Joey says it looks like friendship is out the window. Sandman knocks Scorpio outside. The challenger comes back with a chair, so Sandman grabs a cane. Scorpio shoves Sandman hard through the chair in the corner and then lands some more strikes into a hard knee lift and a super kick. Scorpio lights up Sandman with the cane. And another super kick after avoiding a comeback. Scorpio hits a side suplex, heads up top, and hits a great leg drop for two. Follows a beautiful moonsault off the top and only gets two again. Scorpio heads up again, but Sandman blocks and gets two on a head scissors takeover. Scorpio power slams the champion and goes up yet again, but misses the bomb. And Sandman covers for the win. So not much here. Uh, pretty disappointing, honestly. Scorpio kind of ran through his best hits mm. into the soft finish. We've seen Scorpio take way worse and survive. So this did not really mm. feel fully earned by Sandman. Uh, but Scorpio does the job. And I think you can see Jenny, the writings on the wall by this point yeah. as he's starting his final days. And just like we saw with Mick Foley earlier in the year and Chris Jericho and others, they seem to, once they get that money deal from the WF start to throttle back a little bit mm-hmm. and don't exactly mm-hmm. put it on the line um, for this in this setting. So it can't blame them, but it does lead to some anticlimactic, you know, farewells at times. So two and a quarter for me, like it was fine, but Scorpio clearly was kind of protecting himself to make mm-hmm. sure he didn't fuck up his money deal that he just got from the dirty of. Yeah. It felt like he was being real safe, you know, and <sighs> 
I mean, it's fine. It really is fine because you're really having to throw Sandman into, you know, some sort of, you know, defense of his championship already and might as well do it with this guy. It's going to be okay and, you know, not going to hurt anybody and hopefully um, (laughs) give Sandman a good win. So uh, I did two and a half. Um, I still like to watch these guys wrestle, so I enjoyed it, Maddie. Yeah, I went two and a half on it. Uh, standard stuff here. It was a, a fine uh, TV main event, but, you know, not a lot happened. Obviously, like you said, <laughs> Scorpio getting the big money deal, not wanting to, to fuck up his spot. So uh, can't blame him in, on that uh, at all. Uh, very different than what we've seen out of both Sandman and Scorpio, really. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was still uh, basically a fine match. And uh, yeah, uh, perfectly fine stuff to an app. So Tyler Fullington gets to the ring. He's dressed like Sandman. Sandman drops to his knees. They hug to a pop. Raven comes in from behind and canes Sandman across what? the back of the head. And DDTs him. So Raven is already back in ECW. And this, of course, is what was followed by the crucifixion that we did not see. Mm-hmm. Um, is that spot there. So Raven is back. He's really only gone for like one month worth of tapings. Um, mm-hmm. So again, you wonder, like, could they have held off? Mm-hmm. But like we said, I mean, with rehab, I guess you never knew how long he'd be gone. A month seems like not enough time. Right. Yeah. Like, well, I guess it could be ditched it, you know, to come Well, back. it could be two months, I guess, because the other stuff was taped in early September. Yeah. Well, maybe guess, six maybe. weeks. Yeah. 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 That's a good. Yeah. Might have been enough just to dry out. He must, you know. Had to just kick it, maybe, and then because right. he does look better when he comes in here. He does. He's like, definitely yeah, he slimmed, does. Definitely. slimmed down, and I was bloated definitely. and gassed. Um, all right, uh, best match. I went with Taz and Guido. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's what I had. And worst match, Candido and Dudley. Yep. Yep. Uh, best moment. I, I went with Ravens return, but also Kurt Angle. Everything, everything <laughs> angle. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the crucifixion. That we say. <laughs> I'll go with uh, Gertner saying, "Oh shit!" On, on the <laughs> uh, most '90s, the wars over uh, the 1996 Olympians. <laughs> <laughs> the the gold medal. <laughs> uh, Kurt Angle with hair. <laughs> Stock rising. I give it to Angle, Taz, Gertner, and Candido. Mm, yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah, that's. What about uh, that's, Cody that's... Michaels? Yeah, I can give Cody a little shout out. Yeah. Stock Raven falling... because he came back, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Raven's yeah. back. Yeah. Stock falling. I just give it to Spike. Uh, he took a shit kicking in that match. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Spike. Yeah. All right. Uh, final grade. It's an okay episode, honestly. I liked all the angle task stuff, but not a ton of other shit going on. Uh, so I just and, and that Scorpio match was very disappointing. Actually, we should give him stock falling. He was yeah. really disappointing in this That's one. A good point. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to get on him because he's given us so much over like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is it's sad to see him throttled. That I, I sometimes I always feel like I'd rather just not even see the guy again. Like I get the theory behind mm-hmm. it, like have him put someone over on the way out, but mm-hmm. it almost feels so obvious that it's like yeah. Are we really gaining anything? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went six out of ten for this episode. I'm going to do six and a half. 
Yeah, I went six. It was uh, uh, still perfectly average, but mm-hmm. certainly not the best. It just tells you how high our standard is for ECW. Like, yes. Like, you listen to, like, Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcasts every other Tuesday here, and Jake, you know, like a six for, like, a Raw in 03 would be high, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that'd be a good yeah. Raw. For us, it's like, yeah, I guess it's a six. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, this trash gets a six. Yeah. For me. I mean, I feel like if you look back through all our show grades, we don't have many probably below five for ECW. Um, now it's a different setup, obviously, but it right. shows how consistently great they are. Uh, every other Tuesday, as like I mentioned, Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast, Jake and a bevy of guests. He started right after WrestleMania 18. He's into 03 now on the way to the Rumble. Um, does an awesome job uh, with that show. Every two weeks, like clockwork, churning them out. That rotates with a new gen on a mission. Pratt and Slomka going through the new generation era. They're in the middle of 1993. They hit every Raw and Superstars and pay-per-view through that era. They do a really good job. It's a smooth and easy listen. Check that out. All kinds of other content, including Cronoso Daily, going through every WWF pay-per-view, science main event match, one per day. It's a quick hit, usually under 15 minutes. We have a rotating group of guests, about a dozen, so you get a new voice every day talking about each match. It's a really cool way to start your day off. If you're looking for something on your commute, or taking a shower, eating breakfast, whatever, you can listen to that to get your day going in a fun and entertaining and informative way. If you get a day with Rocco on there <laughs> or Aaron, you learn something along the way. Uh, that usually has nothing to do with the match you're listening to. Also, some pop culture stuff like 90210. Myself and Tim Capel and a rotating guest go through the history of Beverly Hills. 90210 from Squared Circle to Silver Screen, The Cowboy and Logan. Talk movies about wrestling or featuring wrestlers. That's once a month on Saturdays. And uh, Second Print Comics every Sunday morning. That's also like clockwork with Mark and Remso doing a potpourri of comic-based topics. Tons of current and evergreen wrestling content as well. We've actually really increased our current wrestling output here. Uh, thanks to Ryan Gray, Mike Rossi do a lot of uh, you know previews of upcoming pay-per-views, recaps. Rossi does some good indie-based stuff. Jordan and Reese crush it with AEW. Uh, you know what that means, AEW podcast every other Friday. And, of course, Viewer's Choice with Tim and Marcus after every major event there that'll break it down, usually within hours of the show ending. Uh, Jenny, also, you want to quickly give an update about the Jenny position Wednesdays here at North-South? Yes, I have decided to move all of my shows uh, to the North-South and um, hopefully, you know, get some fresh ears on some of my stuff and... um, you know, it's it's all the shows that I do, Freak Out Drive-In, Talk and Pop, uh, you heard about Pluto, The Journey Through Infinity, um, and Bianca's First Time. So um, on Wednesdays, you will get one of those shows. And, um, you know, check them out. All right. Let's check out our next episode of ECW Television as well. November 5th, 1996, opens with the return of Raven from a week ago. We then visit with Raven in the basement of the arena. He says, Sandman filed for custody, sent in lawyers, and that made him leave the country. And asks if he knows what it's like to be an unwanted child, shunned by peers, and possess another man's child as well. On November 16th, he will bring his child with him. He'll bring his pain, and Sandman should just come as he is and bring the belt, because in November to November will be a night Sandman will wish to forget. Uh, that links to our opening animation. And Jenny, I thought this was a really good uh, promo by Raven. I love me a sepia-toned Raven <laughs> promo um, near a fuse box and a gallon of paint. Um, it, all of us, you know, is I guess this fascination with Tyler, and in, in addition to getting back at Sandman, is 
some sort of manifestation of his own, you know, childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he he is he has wrapped Tyler up in his own <laughs> uh, fucked up uh, mommy and daddy issues. So I'm kind of here for all that, and uh, I'm kind of worried for Sandman. Yes, uh, there there is a good chance that uh, Sandman may die at November yes. to remember, which, which, uh, good lord, uh, Raven hasn't lost a step in the month mm-hmm. or six weeks that he's been out. Good lord, uh, another uh, ad nauseum. I keep saying it. Another great promo from Raven. Mm-hmm. Tell me, if, stop me if you've heard that before, but uh, yeah, it just incredible stuff. A wordsmith of the highest order. Just yeah, just amazing stuff. Longfellow couldn't have said it better himself. Absolutely. <laughs> Joey's in the nest. He runs down the car ahead of us tonight. We get fan cam footage of Shane Douglas shaking Pitbull one by the halo. Yeah. Joey talks about November to remember. One of the top matches is a dream partner tag, a theme from our first November to remember, where Pitbull two and Shane will each choose a dream partner. We find out Pitbull two has selected Tommy Dreamer. And also that Douglas has a bounty out of undisclosed money to take out Pitbull 2. And whoever can take him out will be his partner. <laughs> Brings us back to the room where Pitbull 2 takes on the Pittsburgh Steel Team. <laughs> so, <a> little <laughs> handicap action. Wow. Uh, we are on the road for this one in Middletown, New York. We get handicap action. The Pittsburgh Steel Team are trying to collect the bounty. They attack Pitbull 2, but he mows them down with ease. Pitbull 2 batters both these bums. We come back to the nest where Douglas and Francine interrupt Styles. Shane talks up the bounty. Says, you know, someone will take the money. Someone will take out the Mark Man. And Pitbull 2 has no prayer to make it to November to remember. Dreamer wants to make the choice to stand next to that Mark Man. He's an idiot, too. Dreamer can think about the fans chanting about how hardcore he is, while Douglas will be no stepping stone for him as Tommy will stand alone. Shane and Francine head to watch the action up close. Pitbull 2 batters the steel team with a chair. Shane and Francine step up, and Pitbull 2 finishes one of them with a super fallaway slam. Just a pretty tepid squash, quarter of a star. Anything about that match before we get to the post-match from either of you? Um, my only note was that uh, I love how very recently Joey refused to interview Shane and now (laughs) they're going to bust up in the nest Mm -hmm. and he's just not look happy about it. Yeah. uh, I went zero stars on the match. Uh, My only note for the match itself was uh, this won't last long. I was right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pitbull too, since he didn't break much of a sweat against them, hops to the floor and just attacks Shane Douglas. They brawl into the ring. Out comes primetime Brian Lee, makes a save, takes out Pitbull 2. Joey says Lee wants a crack at the bounty, and him and Shane batter Pitbull 2, whose eye gets sliced open. The beating rumbles around the arena, out to the production truck, which is stained with blood. They head to the top of the truck, where Lee chokeslams Pitbull 2 off through a table stack, and Shane stands over him and talks shit, and then locks into Full Nelson. Tommy finally shows up and makes a save, and I thought this was a great segment, uh, Mm -hmm. a great attack to keep the heat on the feud. I'm going to hit this next thing, and then we'll we'll talk about it all. Joey's in the nest. He says, ECW never stops. They try and package everything that happens into just one hour a week. That's all they ask. But more and more, they have to eat up, waste time of this program, chronicling <laughs> the actions of Shane Douglas and Francine, who all they try and do is disrupt our promotion. We see Pitbull 2 heading to the hospital in an ambulance. Joey recaps what happened, and we find out that Brian Lee has indeed been rewarded monetarily with the bounty after the attack. And again, in November, remember, now he gets the main event, so he'll make more money there as he will team with Shane in the Dream Tag against Pitbull 2 and Tommy Dreamer. 
Joey says the show in Middletown was ground to a halt due to the attack. So we're going to go back to tape for our next match in the ECW arena, which I always like when they do that, when they kind of mm-hmm. fake act like they're live. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Matt, so what'd you think of all this post-match stuff? Do you like Lee being the guy to catch the bounty in and being involved in this? And what'd you think of how it played out? Yeah, uh, I I like Brian Lee. I think it makes uh, sense. Brian Lee's been throwing people off of tall shit since he got here, so why not have him do it to Pitbull too? Why why the hell not? Uh, there were just box trucks parked inside this fucking arena, <laughs> like in the back, like they're just there. I I mean I I guess they're production trucks. I, trucks. I think they said that, but there's just bo- box trucks here, and uh, it turns out when you see a box truck, naturally someone's gonna f- fly off the top of it. That chokes was fucking nasty my i mean if you thought the tommy dreamer one from a few weeks back was rough this one might have been worse i mean he just hits the concrete with a thud it was real rough and uh joey styles has had it he's had it he's over it (laughs) shane douglas and francine he's mad as hell and he's not gonna take it anymore god damn it uh, yeah, Joey just being aghast at what Shane and Francine are doing is amazing. And uh, yeah, this uh, another great uh, segment, another great uh, yeah segment in this uh, Pitbull to Shane Douglas saga, Jenny. I love how he builds up to it. He's like, ECW never stops. <laughs> 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 he just he just works himself up. Oh God, it's so great. Oh, I love it so much. But yeah, those that pit. Oh God, it, he gets thrown through. Was it three tables off the truck? And then as soon as he lands, somebody throws a fucking drink on him. Right. <laughs> I was like, God damn, um, it was insane. And blood being smeared all over the side of the truck was amazing. Uh, God, I love this shit. <laughs> so fucking great. I've become quite the Brian Lee stand between TNA. Yes, it's crazy. <sighs> Yeah, and TNA, he's been great with the new church. And yeah. through this, he's been great, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you, have, you know, the most exposure I'd really had to him was Dodo Yeah for his probably mm-hmm. the worst work of his career. And even then, I always felt like he was the best of the DOA when they were right. on. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a little underrated historically, or maybe just by me. Uh, all right. So we get that match that's from the tape on from the ECW Arena between Doug Furness and Luis Spicoli, which could be fun. We'll see. Uh, Spicoli can stay hot against his top-tier competition. The crowd's fully behind Louie, and he's enjoying it. Furnace being an asshole. Starts with a big slam that sends Louie flying. Joey reminds us of the great power that he possesses. Furnace bulls Louie to the floor. The crowd's all over him. Louie comes back with a sunset flip and dodges a Furnace punch. Louie gets a spine buster, but Furnace kips up and shoves him hard. A lot of tension building here as Furnace takes over with a knee, a chop, and then kicks away. Furnace hits a great power slam, slugs at him. Furnace drops a leg for two, but Louie gets a flash small package for a near fall. Furnace comes right back with strikes and crunches Louie in the corner with a clothesline. Louie tries to fight back, but Furnace counters to a Frankensteiner, talks some shit to the fans instead of covering. Furnace keeps mocking Louie, ambling around between offense. Louie's struggling, but blocks a charging tackle and hits the DVD for the shock win and clean finish and big pop on Doug Furnace. Fun finish that paid off all of Furnace's stupid arrogance. Uh, good stuff here. Good on Furnace to put over Louie. Joey says Louie's a contender. His rise has been quick and effective. Not a lot of time to get cooking, but what we saw was pretty good. Furnace is a pretty good asshole. And Louie is a pretty good underdog, Jenny. So I went two and three quarters on this. Dude, I really like this match. Um, I went three stars Mm -hmm. on it. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, 
you know, I, these are bigger dudes. Like, Scully's <laughs> pretty big, and Burnus is pretty jacked. But I, I want to put, like, Mikey in here somewhere. Like, right. mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a spot. Like, these guys are in, in the spot, and Mikey needs it. And I'm like, what can we do? Like, we had talked about the tag team thing. I don't know. And maybe I'm crazy because they're kind of big dudes. But I don't know. I feel like we could get some good matches out of that. I don't know. But... These two, I mean, the crowd just loves Louis so, and Nada too. Like I'm all, I'm all, I'm all in. And even Furnace, like we've been impressed with him before. And um, I just thought this was just a really good wrestling match. Like it's just good. Like they know what they're doing. It's not, it's not hardcore. It's, it's, it's more basic, but like really well worked. So I like it for three stars, Matt. Yep, three stars for me too. Uh, uh, I've said it before on this show. I'm a big fan of a uh, a a sprint that is really all action and not slowing down, and that's what this was. I think it went like five minutes or so, and I mean they didn't slow down at all. They were just throwing bombs with you know there was a po- couple of power slams, a Frankenstein'er. Uh, that finish was great where he catches a running furnace in the Spicoli driver. I thought that was great, mm-hmm. and uh, a pretty big upset for Spicoli. He continues his ascent to the top uh, i mean uh, we got to be getting close to like a uh, potential like tv title shot or something mm-hmm. i would think if mm-hmm. he keeps winning so uh yeah really fun for a match that they build as kind of like almost like a standby match it was uh it was really fun so three stars for me and i think it's fair jenny to say that spicoli is kind of in the louis sp- i mean uh, kind of in the mikey spot yeah, like right? the fighting underdog guy uh so yeah it feels like that could be a potential match there, either mm-hmm. a feud or a team between those two guys. All right. Joel Gurner's backstage just kind of bridges us back to the rest of the show being kind of smug. He's talked shit on Sandman, the gangsters and big Dick Dudley really just continuing to build his character and his weight as well. <laughs> he started to grow uh, from the little skinny <laughs> dude that we occasionally saw calling matches in the ring. Uh, also calls himself the quintessential stud muffin. Mm-hmm. That will, of course, become his uh, nickname wow. and catchphrase going forward. So, really? Yes. Mm-hmm. What? Uh huh. <laughs> I, I would have never had <laughs> quintessential <laughs> stud muffin. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, that becomes his uh, nickname. All right. Joey says Pitbull 2 has been rushed to Middletown Hospital. Given an MRI, we'll have an update soon. We then go back to November to remember 1994 when Shane Douglas pinned Ron Simmons to retain the ECW mm. title. If you remember that, Ron Jenny of mm-hmm. Simmons was pretty good. Angry. He angry was. man that he yes, was. Yes, very angry. <laughs> that brings us to our big ECW TV title match as Tommy Dreamer challenges Shane Douglas. Two originals ready to throw down. Mm-hmm. Douglas did a great job elevating the TV title, I thought, too, through all this. It's kind of forgotten that he's, that he's yeah. got that belt, but like he's elevated it. Up, mm-hmm. up a level for sure. Mm-hmm. Dreamer charges in. We get a slugfest to get going. He smacks Shane with the belt for two. Tommy puts the belt in Shane's head. Leg drops for another near fall. Tommy dumps Shane and mashes him with the baseball side. Hammers away on the floor. Francine chairs Shane by accident. Then Tommy slings him back in for two. Tommy gets two on a swinging neck breaker, but Shane gets one of his own on a chair to take over. Shane pile drives Tommy on a chair for two. The whore chants fire up as Shane works the neck. Shane peppers away at Tommy. Francine chokes him. Beulah looks on as Shane suplexes Tommy through two open chairs and a nasty bump. 
Shane goes up top and flies off, but Tommy blocks the chair, drop kicks Shane for two. Tommy gets a power slam for two. It's a hanging neck breaker for two. Puts a chair in the corner, but Shane counters and runs Tommy into it. We get three belly-to-belly counters into a Tommy DDT for a close near fall. Francine gets Shane's foot on the ropes. Beulah comes over and throws down with Fran, but Tommy gets tied in that, and Shane hits a single-arm DDT and follows with the tombstone. Shane grabs a full Nelson, but Tommy reverses into one of his own. Lee comes out, and Tommy breaks the hold, and Shane gets another single-arm DDT. Shane hits a belly-to-belly on the ref as Lee chokeslams Tommy. Lee mashes Tommy with a trash can, and then Lee wants to choke Sam Beulah, but Shane stops him and puts her at a full Nelson instead. Fran slaps Dreamer around as Mikey comes in to help, but Lee takes him out. Same for Devin Storm. Lee makes Tommy watch as Shane wrenches the neck. The piss for a SEAL team even come in to take out their boss, but they get whacked. <laughs> out comes Spicoli. Makes a little progress, but Lee takes him out. Francine slaps Beulah. She's hanging in the full Nelson until Shane finally throws her down. Tommy's bleeding as well. Just a wild scene as Douglas and Francine have gone completely next level. And Lee is happy to be a piece of shit along with them. <laughs> Dreamer's now in trouble for November to remember. He's really banged up. That tag match has more intensity now that Shane's attacked his woman. Uh, the match was okay. The intensity was good, but the finish was great. And the post-match was awesome. Uh, I didn't think things felt forced. So, Matt, I went two and three quarters on the match, but I think we've done a great job of adding a ton of build suddenly into this Dream Tag match. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat to you as far as uh, the match itself goes. I went two and a half on a match. It was it was good. It was fairly uh, standard stuff, maybe even a little bit above that. But uh, for me, again, I feel like I've said this a lot lately uh it's it was all about the post match with brian lee just fucking destroying everybody who was running towards him with joke slams my god even the fucking pittsburgh steel team who the mm-hmm. hell cares about them just <laughs> like good lord at least they got to do something else uh, pitbull 2 and brian lee destroy the pitbull pittsburgh steel team god bless but uh yeah a uh, great post match uh shane is just such a great douchebag right now mm-hmm. and i mean i've said it before i i think this continues it i think he's i mean obviously we didn't see the crucifixion stuff which may uh, even things out but i think for what we've seen shane would be uh, the biggest heel in the company and i think a segment like this uh continues it with the full nelson on beulah i mean that's just that's just <laughs> rough stuff what are we doing but uh yeah two and a half on the match jenny and the uh the post match was great he fucks her up in that full nelson too mm-hmm. i mean like like he grabbed him, hold of somebody's halo and shook it or something. But mm. uh, the, this is like, this is it. Like you have everything. This is like hardcore, actual, like bomb throwing chairs, tables, girls slapping each other, trash can. Like it's, it's, it's everything. Like this is ECW in this one match. Um, I loved it. Tommy bled everywhere. Um, Lee killing everybody coming in. Gotta love that shit. I went three stars. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, all the mixing that we're doing, you know, it, it's, it hits that sweet spot for me. And when they mix all of our storylines and then they put it together in, in a cool match like this. So I'm at three. It's cool. Just how casually they'll start new stuff. Like yeah. Shane yeah. and Tommy really haven't been near each other. And now all of a sudden it's like a red hot feud, <laughs> like because they have this one massive interaction as part of this other crap going on. Um, yeah, it's just they do such a nice job of just like getting us immediately invested into stuff. And, and as good as they are with long term storytelling, they also are good at like not dragging shit out. Like 
we might have had three months of the bounty, right? But you know what? <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> they cash in the bounty like as soon as we hear about it. It's cashed in. So, mm-hmm. like, it's it's a nice mix of sometimes you get caught off guard and they pay something off right away mm-hmm. versus, like, playing it out over months and months. So, that's that. Let's move along. Joey's in the nest. He's not happy. Dreamer's being stitched up. Beulah's in the hospital. Douglas's game plan's evident. It includes Brian Lee. November to remember. 11-16. Douglas and Lee have to answer to Dreamer. And maybe the only man left that Tommy could call to stand by his side. So, we'll see. Because Pitbull, too, looks like he might be out of action now. Sam and Raven also will face off at November to remember. The Eliminators will take on Rob Van Dam and Sabu. And the winners will face the Gangsters later that night. So double tag team title match. Mm. And Mikey Whipwreck will take on Chris Candido. So maybe that's all. Here little, we go. Be a little something. Pulp Fiction time. Shane Douglas and Francina backstage. Shane brags about breaking Gary Wolf's neck, which was said couldn't be broken, but he did it. Ravens in the basement reading a book. It says if he had Sandman's capacity for intellectual pursuit was as half as his grave for alcohol, he could understand the quotes he reads. It <laughs> says he had a great time with Tyler in Europe and walks away. The Eliminators are in the bleachers saying their battle with Sabu and RVD will be a match of the year and they could buzz through easily, but they'll take their time and thrill people instead to prove they're the best in the world and that and then they will eliminate them and take out the gangsters and win back the belts. The gangsters are outside. Jack says they don't front RVD and Sabu and they have to take out the Eliminators to get to them, but they hope the Eliminators win because the gangsters owe them some receipts. Last November they were suspended, but this November they're here and everyone will remember. They will put something on the Eliminators. They won't be in jail. They may end up back there after what they do in the arena on that night. Mustafa says they will finish them off. Raven is sitting in a pile of chairs, says one would think the loss of his title would destroy his fragile soul, but he found redemption and salvation in Tyler. And late at night when the demons come, does Sandman dream of days past spending time with Tyler and that the memories are all Sandman gets to feel now? We get a slow motion black and white shots of Lori scratching her arm on the floor and Raven hugging Tyler. Shane and Francine to talk about Pitbull 2 is supposed to be invincible. Shane says they took him out, and Francine said it only cost a couple bucks. Lee says he's been resurrected after going to hell from Tommy. He took out Gordy's ass to end his comeback. He took out the indestructible Pitbull 2, and Tommy only has one person left on the planet to call, but he'll get taken out as well. Shane says his game plan is played to perfection. Since returning, he got his belt, his woman, and next he'll take out the man who Tommy has followed in the footsteps of. A man is resurrected, and Shane designed it this way, so Tommy would have to deliver what he wants to fulfill his plan. He knew from day one this man would be his lifelong nemesis until he put it behind him once and for all. He's planned for years to get his belt to get this girl, and Tommy's friend has always haunted him. But November to remember until he gets his head delivered if Tommy just makes the call and play the key to unlock the door. We then see Tommy leading the hospital. He pulls out a corded car phone (laughs) and tells the operator he needs to make a call to the double cross ranch. So... Pretty high-level Pulp Fiction here tonight. Well, all the top few mm. that I remember playing out. And then we get the big payoff of Tommy making the call to the legend at the Double Cross Ranch. Of course, will turn out to be Terry Funk. And that wraps us up. So, Jenny, any thoughts on Pulp Fiction? Um, I feel like some of Raven's promo was uh, a little problematic. Uh, talking about, I found redemption in the arms of your son, Tyler, and mm-hmm. late at night and other various vaguely pedophile things that he said <laughs> like you kidnapped him you took him to europe allegedly and now you're saying this stuff i don't know you going a little you going a little nuts here raven uh not sure what you're trying to say there 
guy and laying in the pile of chairs. No, that doesn't look insane at all. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, the, the last uh, little bit was Shane. And that was incredible. Like he don't hold back on these promos, boy. He, I, I just feel like he just flips it on. Right. And just cuts fire promo and, God knows the amount of footage they have of Shane just like just <laughs> right. just going on and on. Like he's mm-hmm. he's like a Baptist preacher. Um, <laughs> but man, it uh, would be that's... easy for him to get convoluted or lost too, but he never does right. really. Like they do jam a lot of content, and he's got to explain a lot of things, but he yeah. does it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, even when he's saying things that don't make sense, mm-hmm. he he sure does know how to say them. I'll say mm-hmm. that, Maddie. Uh, that comically large pile of chairs Raven was sitting on. <laughs> like I, th- I'm pretty sure it was like every chair in the fucking building, whatever building he was in. It was all, it was ridiculous. What are we doing? And then he sits on it. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> we we all know you hate your body, but that's that's just uncomfortable. <laughs> like what are you doing to yourself? Uh, that Shane promo, like Jenny just said, was uh incredible. It just uh great stuff. And uh, my other big, big takeaway was uh, Tommy Dreamer calling for the operator. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Hello, operator. Patch me through to the double cross ranch. <laughs> I love that corded car phone. It was amazing. Oh, uh, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely a uh, a high level uh, a Pulp Fiction segment yep. here. All right. And that wraps us up. So let's get to our awards. Best match. Dreamer Douglas. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh Worst. no! I had I actually had a furnace and Spicoli for oh, best okay. match. Actually, yep. Uh, Worst match is the, the Pittsburgh Steel team Pitbull too. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> best moment I went with Douglas and Lee beating the shit out of Pitbull. Mm-hmm. Mm. Shit. Yeah, I gotta go with that. All right, most nineties. I went with a couple. Uh, one was pretending to be live in Middletown. When clearly we're not. And also Tommy calling the operator on the, on the corner yeah, car yeah. phone. Yeah, that was mine. <laughs> Extreme. That might be the most 90s of like the entire run. That we've yeah, done. it's up there. <laughs> Stock rising. I went Spicoli, Gertner, Douglas, and Lee. Mm. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Falling, I went with the Steel Team and uh, <laughs> Doug Furness. We took the clean loss to Louis. Yeah, I'll I'll go out on a limb and say you probably won't see the Steel Team ever again. But <laughs> <Probably> not, yes. <laughs> uh, final grade. Uh, obviously, a very good episode that we really dug into. Uh, I went seven out of ten, so a bit better than the last couple we've had. Not quite as hot as the, the big ones, but still very good. I'm gonna do seven and a half. Yeah, uh, definitely better than the last episode for me. I went seven. All right. All right. Final one, our go home to November to remember the marquee show of the year here. Uh, We have November 12th, 96. We get a video recap of everything from last week with Douglas, Pitbull, Dreamer, including Tommy's cell phone call to the Double Cross Ranch. (laughs) They get our opening animation. Joey's in the nest and says it's official. Our main event for Saturday at November to remember Shane Douglas, primetime Brian Lee, taking on Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk, who will return to the ECW arena for the fourth annual November to Remember. We then get a hazy Sepatone Funk video package set to some slow cowboy music, which maybe was Desperado. I I think think that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah, It was so wispy, too. I thought he had 
died. It, it did feel like a passage after <laughs> <Yeah>. he died. <laughs> um, what, what, were you excited, Jenny? Were you figuring Funk would be back at some point here? Um, yeah, I think that last time he left, we uh, talked about how he would be back. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I like Terry Funk, but I just... I feel like it's kind of an unnecessary addition. We we got enough like people. <laughs> we're all full up. Like we don't need you, Terry. <laughs> you Funk. think we've, we're past funk at this point? I mean, uh, the shit that we've been seeing. I mean, I don't see how it, how it keeps up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, respectfully, I'm just saying that it, it's. I feel like everybody's gonna have to adjust to him. And not in a good way. All right. Well, we'll see. Okay. We got a clip for November. Remember 93 when Sabu broke out, had his big breakout moment in a dream partner tag match colliding with Terry Funk. Joey says this is a showcase event for ECW. Everyone always raises their game at this time of year, including everyone in our next match, which is Bubba Ray Dudley against Devon Dudley. We join it in progress as Devon smashes Bubba with a chair. The other Dudleys and Rotten are ringside. Axel Rotten, that is. And the crowd is buzzing as Bubba takes the shots to the head over and over. We clip ahead as Devon bails out. Bubba pops up and flies over the top of the plancha. We clip again as Devon slips out of a Bubba bomb and finishes with a chair shot. Uh, I didn't give a grade to this. We didn't get to see much. We then go to the post-match where Rotten is battering Spike Dudley with a chair until Big Dick comes in. Dick no-sells a chair shot, wipes out Axel. Dick goes to the top rope, and it's a moonsault to a big pop, which is fucking crazy. Uh, Yeah. All right, let's pause there and talk about this, because then we get a whole other bucket of stuff with the Dudleys. But we haven't really seen. We haven't talked about them at all over the last couple episodes. So they've kind of been backseated. But this feud is still raging with Dick, Bubba, and the rest of the family against Devon and Axel Rotten. So, Matt, what did you think of this up to this point? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a uh, uh, fairly standard uh, every single Dudley's match you've seen. It looks like it was mostly chair shots, and then Bubba does a dive, which is always impressive. <laughs> But uh, and speaking of impressive, good Lord, big dick with the moonsault, <laughs> like w- with his leg. Good Lord. What are you doing uh, again? Like just uh, utterly ridiculous. But uh, yeah, it seemed like it was obviously we didn't see enough to rate it, but it seemed like it was uh, uh, fairly standard stuff from the Dudleys. Jenny. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's like the good part of having this family here is that you can always just put a match together and it's like you you know what's happening i don't know like i just feel like it's just kind of always simmering in the background mm-hmm. like even though we haven't seen them in a bit you can just like pick up with them and look they're gonna fight um that moon salt was fucking crazy i was like yeah it looked awesome. what are you doing <laughs> but wow i mean respect and uh, yeah okay we'll get to the rest of it but i didn't read it either yeah, Joey sends us to Middletown. We get slow motion footage of Devon and Axel wrecking Dick with simultaneous <laughs> chair shots to both sides of his head. Uh, Dick crumbles to the mat, shrunk right there. Later that night, a bandaged Dick attacked his brother backstage until officials pulled them apart. Joey says, finally, they got order restored, but we heard from Axel and Devon. Axel told Devon he wants Dick, and he'll feed Dick to Devon. Scraps of dick. Joey says the pudgy pimple Joel Gertner then popped in with some suggestions. We cut to that where Gertner says he overheard what was going on and has a solution for revenge. 
He kind of gets them both hyped. He keeps rambling on like he does and says they should press charges. Gertner calls over security and says, these gentlemen want to press charges. He witnessed the whole episode of the attack, and they should take this hooligan away. We cut ahead to a fan cam of Dick being carted to the Huskow, and Devon says it's over. And Gertner is apparently playing chess in ECW. Is. With all the other violent attacks we've ever seen, this is the one that Dick gets hauled off to jail as Gertner convinces Devon and Axel to press charges. Reminded me of Suburban Commando, where the guy says, I'm going to sue you to poor Chef Ramsey. He's ready to fight. Uh, so, Jenny, any thoughts on this this part here? What is Joel's end game with this? He just wants he, to create chaos. That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, they picked the most random shit. Like, why? <laughs> you, did you not see the man just moonsault? Like, why are you fucking with him? Like, he has like no fear. He's got uh, a death wish. Yes. Yeah, it's mm-hmm, he. Mm-hmm. He's insane. What is wrong with him, Matt? Uh, well, I, I think it's because he's so handsome that he doesn't think oh. anybody anybody would punch him. I mean, he is he is a quintessential stud muffin. Right. So uh, that that's my running theory. It's probably not right, but we'll see. Um, uh, JT, there was a lot of dick jokes in what you said that just there. I, I, I just have to point that out. Uh, 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 Ax, Axel wants dick, you guys. I don't know if you caught that, uh, but... Uh, it, it, it is it is kind of a weird spot for Gertner. Like uh, I don't know. Now he's prattling around with the Dudleys after being yeah. with with Shane Douglas and whatnot for the last couple of weeks. Like he's he's staring down like fucking Pitbull too, and now all of a sudden he's fucking with the Dudleys. I don't know. It does seem kind of like a downgrade to me. But uh, look, uh, I think uh, Gertner is the type of guy who can make damn near anything entertaining so i'm kind of here for it like put him with put him with the fucking pittsburgh steel team i don't care he'd make <laughs> he'd make them interesting for the first time in their lives but so uh i enjoyed this solely because of joel Gertner. <laughs> is he trying to make like a little uh heel stable or something like what's he doing uh Gert- gertner's group he's just a brick i think he's just a brick oh well i mean that's fair Joey's in the nest is everyone's excited for November to remember, but they also have some sorrow. Some perennial favorites won't be there this year, including the pit bulls who have been put on the sidelines. Thanks to Shane Douglas and primetime Brian Lee. And also says big Dick may miss the show as well as he's in jail. Thanks to Joel Gurner. Mm-hmm. We get a highlight package from November to remember 94. We then get a hype package on the eliminators. Joey in the nest says the bitter eliminators will battle Rob Van Dam and Sabu. And the winner of that match will face the gangsters later in the night for the ECW tag team titles. Says RVD and Sabu are enigmas. They remind us of their path to teaming through respect issues and the long feud they've had. Joey also reminds us the Eliminators defeated Doc and Gordy in the arena recently as well. We then get a big rematch as Rob Van Dam and Sabu take on Doug Furness and Dan Crawford. Uh, a lot for this Enigma team for Joey of RVD and Sabu. We pick up in progress with Sabu missing a dive off the apron. He goes through a table bridge, taking out RVD with him. Back in the ring, Crawford locks a tight chin lock on Sabu, tags Furnace. They hit a double backdrop for two. Sabu escapes, but Van Damme's not there. He's still wiped out from the table. Crawford chops away, grabs a Cobra clutch. He swings Sabu to the mat and mounts him. Crawford deadlifts Sabu and suplexes him out of the clutch for two for a great spot. Joey says it never ends that Taz coaches all of Sabu's opponents to attack his neck. Crawford grabs a cross arm breaker and then tags Furnace. It goes to the neck and it's a nice power slam for two. RVD finally recovers, comes in and kicks Furnace to help Sabu. 
Coffin grabs a step over toehold into a Fujiwara armbar on Sabu, but Sabu escapes and gets a swinging DDT, finally tags out. RVD comes in, it's a flying shoulder block off the top, cleans house with a flurry, keeps pouring it on with some near falls, including a nice one on a butterfly gourd buster. Crawford recovers with a hard clothesline that twists RVD in the air. Joey says Furnace and Crawford have applied for entrance into the Survivor Series, and with a win here, they may actually be granted that option. Sabu tags back in and hits the air Sabu on Furnace, follows with a triple jump leg drop for two. RVD tags, we get a stereo slingshot. Uh, as Crawford saves and things break down, Sabu gets a springboard moonsault for two. Sabu slams Furnace and hits a triple jump moonsault. Crawford flat splashes Furnace by accident, and Sabu rolls over for the big win. Clean. Sabu and RVD shake hands and celebrate together. It looks like they're finally on the same page. We get another fun match with these teams. Even though we didn't see the whole thing, what we did see was a lot of fun. The grinding early was sharp on Sabu. The flurry after the RVD tag was good with the finish as RVD and Sabu stay hot. I think Furnace and Crawford have done a nice job putting guys over during this brief stay before they head out. And, you know, we saw Furnace put over Spicoli clean. Now they lay it down for RVD and Sabu. And uh, this is pretty good, Jenny. Went three and a quarter. Yeah, I really like this, too. Um, <laughs> I, I do kind of wish we had seen all of it, but maybe they kind of sped us through to the, to the best parts. But I got to tell you that scaffolding is real distracting because <laughs> uh, I just kept thinking I want Sabu to climb it and jump off of it. So that didn't happen. But this was a really good match. And... You know, RVD and, and Sabu, if they can overcome their differences, then, you know, there's hope for the rest of this promotion. They, they they seem to have some sort of grudging respect for each other. And RVD has calmed down on his, you know, attempts to murder Sabu. Um, so I, I kind of like their little weird little team. And I gave it three stars, Matt. I'm right there with you. I went three stars on this, too. Uh, Sabu uh, killing himself and possibly RVD with that dive through the table. Good that was Lord. awesome. <laughs> just ridiculous. Uh, RVD was dead on the floor for about five minutes. He just, like, disappeared after that. Yeah, he let, did. Let Sabu do all the dirty work. I'm hurt, you fuck. You you, you, you do your thing. Ow. Uh, <laughs> if anybody can, it's Sabu. Right. I, I'm not built like you. This shit hurts me, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> crazy bastard <laughs> uh, uh joey mentioning that crawford and furnace are uh, maybe heading to survivor series tells me that they're not long for ecw so it makes sense that all of a sudden they're uh, they go from having draws to losing matches mm-hmm. so uh, it tells me that uh they'll probably be gone uh, relatively soon but yeah uh Really fun match for what we saw. Again, didn't see the full match. Wish we did. But uh, what we saw was really good. uh, There was one part where uh, I think it was Crawford hit like a a sleeper suplex on, uh, I think it was either Sabu, I think. And it Mm -hmm. was just, that move is always nasty. Like, how do you not drop a man on his head every time you do that? It's just, it's so nasty. But uh, yeah, super fun stuff here. Three stars for me. And this is it for them because they are at Survivor Series, as Joey says. Right. Um, they'll obviously make a surprise debut there uh, on Sunday night, which, you know, we haven't talked about that either, the timing of these shows. So November, remember, Saturday, Survivor Series is the next night in MSG. So, oh, Jesus. Um, and as we talk about November, remember, we'll get into some stuff that uh, was a little, I don't want to say controversial, but discussed at the time mm-hmm. between the two shows. Um, right down to our guy that we're about to talk about here, Too Cold Scorpio. 
Joey's in the nest as it's time to welcome in the new, like Chris Candido, and pay farewell to others like Two Cold Scorpio, who wraps up his ECW run on Saturday. And, of course, he'll have his final match there and then debut the next night at Survivor Series as Flash Funk um, for the WF. So, again, a little tie-in between those two shows, which will have a few things, uh, common threads between them for a very big weekend of wrestling. Joey then says we're going to go to Middletown, where... Scorpio takes on David Tyler Morton Jericho. Who? And says, we'll get this kid a real name at some point. Uh, so it took me a minute to piece this all together. And I assumed he looked like Chris Jericho and Ricky Morton. And that's where the name came from. <laughs> um, but Jenny, I'm going to ask you this. Did uh-huh. you eventually pick up on who this was? Okay. I felt dumb. Because I know that it can't be, but I wanted to say it was Kid Cash. It is. No, it's not. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. It's, it's Kid Cash. Mm-hmm. In was, his early days, Kid he Cash. He was flying around, and I'm yeah. like, I've seen that shit before. And then, then I was like, wait, he wasn't that old in TNA, right? I was, like, trying to do the, like, math. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that's not him, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> So his real name is David Tyler Cash. So that's where the David Tyler comes oh, from. Okay. And then I guess the Morton Jericho, like I said, maybe two to that. Like I guess so. It says here, uh, Cash met up with Ricky Morton during his travels and took Cash on the road with him to train. So I guess it's mm. like a you know tribute to him. He started yeah. wrestling at age twenty in nineteen eighty nine. So. By the time you were in ECW and TNA, I should say, he's actually like 34, 35. Mm-hmm. Um, and even here, he's already in his late 20s, but he will uh, come back. We'll see more of him. We'll see more of him here and then eventually much more of him later. But. He, he seems bigger, uh, like taller. <laughs> I don't know. In ECW, <laughs> he looks taller. Um, and it's funny because my notes are like, is that Kid Cash? No, can't be. He sure flies like him. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's awesome. All right, well, nice work. Peace and that together. Yeah, Proud of you. All right, uh, so we get in progress. Scorpio takes Davey over. He recovers, but heads back down with a uh, back down thanks to a knee lift. Joey says the youngster is not back down at all against Scorpio. Sends David flying through the air with a pancake, chops away. Scorpio dodges a charge, but <laughs> I don't even know what to call him. Jericho flips through with a German and gets two on a roll up. And then a flurry yeah. to drive Scorpio outside. Davey goes up top and flies into Scorpio on the floor. He's just bawling out at this point. Mm-hmm. Scorpio shoots him to the steel, heads up top again. This time he flies into the crowd with a huge dive into Scorpio. David's all followed, fired up. The crowd's all in on him. We clip ahead. Scorpio's in control and finishes him with a Scorpio splash. Taz comes out after the match. No sells a clothesline and just destroys Scorpio with a T-bone and then chokes him out with the Taz mission. Man, we missed a good chunk of this, but the future of Mr. Kid Cash looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Flying around with great speed with precision. You could see there was something there already at this point. Uh, Scorpio stays strong and finishes him uh, for one of his final wins as the clock is ticking down on him. Uh, so two stars for me on this one, Matt. But it was really cool seeing uh, early Kid Cash and just seeing what would make him so great later already on display. And I wish we got more of it. It clipped right at when it was yeah. like really getting going. Yeah, two stars for me too. Uh, this felt to me like uh, someone trying to get a full time gig in ECW. Like he was just going balls out, mm-hmm. <laughs> just throwing himself into the guardrail and the dives. And I mean. Yeah, we did miss uh, a lot of it, but uh, what we saw was great. Uh, there was one dive that uh, David 
Tyler, Morton, uh, sleepy, bashful Doc <laughs> Jericho. Gordy. <laughs> to the, Doc Gordy. Yeah, did to the floor. That was just uh, really great looking. So, yeah, uh, hopefully we see more of him at this point. Uh, more of not Jericho here, but uh, fun match from me, two stars. Dude, I, I've been missing me some some <laughs> cash and TNA, so mm-hmm. I'm excited. Um for the, yeah, I like this too. I gave it two and a half, even though it was clipped up. Um, and yeah, I mean, if if there's any way to get over with, with the crowd, flying like that is one way to do it. And then hopefully we can see him bleed. Uh, hopefully he stays around. That'd be great. So yeah, uh, this is another another really good match. All right, Taz grabs the mic as Fonzie rants and tells the crowd to shut up. Taz stalks around as Scorpio lays on the mat, says he's done everything he's needed to do in ECW, choked out the man that broke his neck years ago. He's choked out everyone for one miserable year, and he's got one more thing to do. The crowd chants for Sabu, and Taz says, he ain't coming out. He says one thing he left to do, and one left man left to choke out. But there's only one thing stopping Sabu, and that's fear of Taz. Fonzie puts a rare chin lock on Scorpio and hits his own. Good Lord. So Taz is uh, salvo here. Brings us into a video package of Paul E. Dangerously, narrating us through the history of Sabu and Taz. We started Double Tables 95 when they teamed to beat Public Enemy for the tag team title. Then we got Sabu's public firing and eventually returned later that year in November to remember. And that's the same show where Taz's betrayal began. And for one year since then, Taz has called out Sabu and claims fear has held him back. But Paul is finally going to set the record straight. He consulted Taz for the blessing before bringing back Sabu and said there was a simple deal between the three men. Sabu could come back because it's the right thing for business and the health of the company. But Taz would be forced to leave him alone and forget anything that happened that Sabu bailed on him when they were tag team champions. Taz promised he would leave Sabu alone. Sabu gave the same promise as a man of honor, and he's kept his word as a friend to Paul. Taz immediately went back on that promise and has called Sabu out time after time for a year because he knew that Sabu would not answer and cannot answer because he gave Paul his word and he's a true friend. In ECW, they cherish Taz's credibility and his gifts and his love to compare him to others around the world because they know how gifted he is. But the man doesn't have the mental maturity to match his physical maturity. He never go over the jealousy, the envy, the rage. He calls out Sabu because he knows Sabu will not answer him. That is the truth. And the one thing in the world that Sabu, besides Sabu, that Taz is not man enough yet to handle. So just amazing work. And mm. finally pays off why Sabu has so blatantly mm-hmm. ignored Taz yes. all this time. Because it hasn't made sense mm-hmm. why this guy would not answer this challenge. Um, and I thought this was done in a pretty good way. And it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel too convoluted like can happen sometimes with this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Jenny, I thought this was really well done. I thought Paul really crushed it. And I think this is about the best possible way they could have gone about it. It, it It's like genius. Like everything. Like the video package. And then Paul standing there and he's in darkness. You know, he's he's fired up and just finally tells the story like – like he's been holding it in like this whole year, you know, watching Taz act a fool and, and Sabu saying nothing and everybody wondering why. And he just lays it out. It's fan fucking tastic. Like, just let Paul talk in every episode, please, because mm-hmm. we just don't get it enough. And but it maybe it makes it more impactful when he does show up. But I mean, 
he's incredible. He calls Taz baby gorilla and <laughs> insults him and you know ugh, it's it's just it's awesome. And it does nothing but add a no a whole another layer somehow on this entire year long feud. It's 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 most incredible thing, Matt. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing stuff, and it you know finally we know why uh, Sabu uh, doesn't answer Taz because Sabu ain't a guy who backs down as we've seen mm-hmm. for you know years at this point. So it's always been why the fuck is he not answering Taz? Like he should have answered him the first time it happened. So now now we have an answer to that. And like you, Jenny, every, every time Paulie is ends up on screen, like I just want to see more of him. And I know he's busy, you know, running the company and doing production work and all that shit. But he, he, come on, <laughs> you you yeah. you, you could have found some time, man, to just even if it's like five minutes a week that you can tape with your video camera in your mom's basement, you know, just <laughs> just something. Put him on Pulp Fiction, you know. Right. That's fine just just anything you could bang out in like 20 minutes mm-hmm. just to get you on TV even if you want to like run down a, the card or something simple like that just something to get him on TV cuz mm-hmm. he's so he's so fucking good but uh yeah but do you think just... do you think the impact's greater though because he doesn't do that and when he does show up here like this really resonated because he right. broke his silence and we don't we haven't heard from him i mean he was fairly regular what Jenny like in 94 ish with Sabu mm-hmm. yeah. remember with all the Jason yeah. stuff and all that shit. Yeah. So, but I think, I think it almost means more that we don't get him that often. Like it, mm-hmm. this spoke because it's like, wow, like Paul's coming out to talk. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I could definitely see that. I see sure. it too, but I'm just, I'm greedy. I, <laughs> I mean, he is great. Yeah. All right. We wrap up with our annual November rain video package uh, that covers all the top matches and feuds. It's an annual Epic music video that they do on the go home every year uh, to November rain. So that closes us out. Uh, best match. I'm with the tag RVD and Sabu against Furnace and Crawford. Yep. Yep. Worst. I, I just went Scorpio and Morton Jericho, but I mean, it was still pretty good. We just didn't see a lot. Right. Yep. Same. Yeah. Best moment. I gave it to Dick's moonsault and Paul's promo. Oof, yeah, Paul's promo, gotta be yeah. it. Yeah, I gotta go with Paul there, too. Most 90s, I went the idea that Furnace and Crawford had to apply for entrance to the Survivor Series. <laughs> <laughs> as well as the use of November Rain in the in the video. Yeah, it's gotta be November Rain for me. I agree. Stock rising, big dick on the way up. Mm. Gertner, RVD, and Sabu, and Paul E. And Kid Cash. And Kid Cash. Yeah, Kid Cash, uh, Jericho, Tyler, Morton, <laughs> Steve, Bill, Joe. Paul. It's like all the hard kids. Uh, <laughs> stock falling, I went with Furnace and Crawford and Scorpio all on their way out. Yep. Yep. And final grade, another really damn good episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven and a half out of ten for me. I'm going to do the same, seven and a half. Seven and a half for me. Damn. I mean, think of these six we watched uh, over the last two weeks heading into November to remember. And I mean, like, this is like a pretty epic run of television yeah. for this company here. Mm-hmm. Just awesome stuff. Super memorable moments, both on and off screen. <laughs> we covered tonight. Yeah. Um, and here we are on the doorstep of the fourth annual November to remember already. And it's a big one. It's a super memorable show. We're going to cover it very in depth in our next episode. And uh, we'll see what they bring to us on this huge weekend of wrestling, you know, setting the stage for Survivor Series at MSG the next night. Mm-hmm. 
and setting us up to close the rest of the year. And also head into 1997, which is going to be a monumental year for ECW with what's on the horizon for them. So, uh, Matt, anything you want to plug before we head out? Yeah, just quickly, you can find me over on the uh, Place to Be Nation wrestling feed on Highway to the Impact Zone. I'm on every other episode of that. Check that out. Uh, you can find me also on YouTube Roulette on the wrestling feed. And over on the Pop feed, you can find me usually on every episode of Popcorn Chicken Salad. And you can follow me on Twitter at msusa1991. Jenny? All my stuff is linked on Twitter as well, at Jenny Position. And um, I have a couple of wrestling shows on the Place to Be Wrestling uh, network with Talkin' WCW and PTV NXT. So if you want to hear more of me, you can check me out there. Stay extreme, everyone. We'll talk to you in two weeks at November to Remember. Your feet get cold in the wintertime The sky won't snow and the sun won't shine It's hard to tell the nighttime So